Welcome to the Millennial Soul Food Podcast, episode 18, with my New Orleans coven comrade, Tyler Firth. I'm your host, Keyonce. Enjoy. What's up, what's up? It's your girl, Kiyonce. This is show number 18. Oh my God. Um, I'm your host, spiritual life and business coach, tarot reader, cultural sociologist, and hoodoo mystic, Kiyonce, aka Yamawe, aka Kion. And today, I'm so excited for this episode. We have on one of my long-term time friends, Tyler Firth of Crossroads and Coincidences. And this is my uh, coven comrade, my New Orleans coven comrade. We get together on the new moons and full moons and all the moons in between to talk about just period, all the spell work, ritual, occultism, all that kind of stuff. So this is my person. This is who I go to just to have the deep conversations. One of many people, but this is my go-to person who has been for over a decade now. So I just hope y'all really enjoy this interview. We dive into um, both of our histories as native Mississippians with roots, familiar roots, familial roots in New Orleans, Louisiana. So um, I just also want to make a couple of announcements. So if you want to contribute to the show if you want to donate to keep it going you know this is a lot of hard work on my part um my paypal is keon dylan at gmail.com that's k-e-o-n-d-i-l-l-o-n at gmail.com uh, the venmo is at k-e-o-n dash d-i-l-l-o-n and my cash app is dollar sign capital e-l-d-r-a eldra and so if you're interested in donating please send a donation anything helps period read um oh no give us a review on itunes leave a review leave us some five stars and um, i will read out the review on um on the show so uh, that is it i think yeah follow me on instagram y'all know at millennial soul food hit me up um yes enjoy the show thank you Um, so today we have Tyler Firth of Crossroads and Coincidences, and he is a tarot reader, and uh, I would say just someone who practiced cardomancy, yeah. um, and you specifically uh, focus on the Lenormand deck, um, and I actually know Tyler from um, college, so we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, but do you want to tell them a little bit about yourself? I know you you recently moved to the French Quarter. You moved back down south from yeah. Baltimore. Yeah. So tell yeah. us about that. So um, the coming home journey has been uh, pretty interesting, especially during COVID. But it's been a really great opportunity to get back home, and, but connect with like the genius Loki of the place, like the spirit of the place, rather mm -hmm. than occupy all my time meeting new people mm -hmm. so tell um for people who don't know what exactly is loki oh like a genius loki is uh, a non-human spirit of the place mm -hmm. so like 
when you think of London or Moscow in your head, mm. you can already perceive a flavor of energy with a personality, mm. not necessarily connected to anyone you know. Yeah. Um, and that is the spirit that you meet in a place if you try to encounter it and not just its people. Mm. And it's definitely a lot of spirit here. Um, I'm talking hella loud. <laughs> <laughs> I like to try to project. Um, so... We were talking earlier about um, New Orleans kind of having a spirit of um, Dionysus. So would you say that is kind of a characteristic, like a low-key characteristic of New Orleans or what would you say? Yeah, I'd say that um, there's especially, and I'm going to talk about the French Quarter because my family's from that area and that's where I'm living, so I know it best. Mm -hmm. And the French Quarter has like a kind of trinity of personalities that mm -hmm. um, is happening. You have... Uh, a history of really horrendous events that have resulted mm -hmm. in like a panoply of hauntings of mm -hmm. all different sorts. So that definitely accrues in a space, right? Um, and then beyond that, you've got the fact that the French Quarter especially is rubbing up against a corner of the Mississippi River. Mm -hmm. um, and the Mississippi River doesn't take away soil, it leaves it behind. So when the mm -hmm. Mississippi River moves, it is adding to itself even physically, hmm. uh, which is why the French Quarter doesn't flood as opposed to a lot of other Is that places. why it's just the sediment, right? Or yeah, sediment? yeah, so the, it just deposits over the years. Well, anyway, similar to how that sediment deposits, I at least perceive that energy is depositing. Like I definitely see that. Like when people talk about ley lines, yeah. like it's a very tangible ley line. Okay, mm -hmm. so that's kind of like a battery for the area mm -hmm. beyond just having its own river spirits especially mm -hmm. like diaspora associated identifications of that river spirit mm -hmm. um and so it's it's providing energy to the city while all of these sort of hauntings are going on and people are partying all the time mm -hmm. and we were talking about dionysus he comes in in the sense that he is the god of murder and mm -hmm. drunkenness and gaiety Mm. And so he is the deity that straddles those two things and provides you euphoria and tragedy at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so that creates a patina all over that area. And then you have the parades coming in seasonally like the Nile flooding mm -hmm. for that same energy. Mm. And so um, the French Quarter has a, a lot of nuance to explore because mm -hmm. you're actually getting information in different facets. Yeah. So I want, I definitely, I think there's a lot to unpack there. I definitely want to talk more about um, the river and water spirits because there are like, um, I mean, there's the spirits who influence, I guess, New Orleans, the um, like the black people who died <clears throat> in the transatlantic trade of like enslaved um, black people. I hate saying the slave trade and the word slave period, but um, people who died in that. And then also you have like the fact that it's the river starts as a drop uh, a trickle in like I think Minnesota mm -hmm. and then it like moves through the entire country and like brings all this like sediment down here and then that contributes to like the um, the life that lives in the water and you know crawfish and all that kind of stuff so it's just and then you know gumbo is like a huge it's like a compilation of just a bunch of different shit mm -hmm. so I definitely see that so it's, it's kind of sounds like there's like a lot of layers of energy here and then on top of the fact that there's kind of like a, um, it's not like ruined chic, 
but there is a, a there is an effort to like keep buildings especially in like physical spaces um as they were yeah in and history I, I think it's like a business decision because they want people to come to something that they can like see what they expected right mm-hmm. but at the same time i think it's a way of concretizing a certain hegemony mm-hmm. in preventing other social processes from happening mm-hmm. um, and so i'm skeptical of and i think a lot of people who live there are of like the bukhari commission that is mm-hmm. like a very militant idea of what you can and cannot do hmm. um very napoleon yeah yeah or like it, uh, it is put in place to conserve uh, a certain privilege conferred mm-hmm. on the wealthy hmm. because imperialist yeah and it, what what's really interesting about it is I, I think it's one of the most beautiful places in America Period. if not on earth yeah yes but the majority of people who hold assets there don't live there hmm. so it's uh, it's something that people seem to like cherish but they're it's actually residentially vacant except for like these seasonal things mm-hmm. there, there are some exceptions me being one but you definitely perceive that for example my in my courtyard i'm the only person who lives there full time mm. what and, wow. and it's not even airbnb so mm-hmm. that you get the energy kind of penetrating your gates mm-hmm. no one's allowed wow and so it's like they they love it so much but not enough to be there or let anyone else have it hmm so it's kind of like, yeah, like you said, there is a monopoly and he- hegemony on the space. And also um, uh, there's a lot of like processes to keep a certain culture in place that mm-hmm. a lot of people aren't aware of um, because it's built into like the laws and like ordinances and all that kind of stuff. And in and, and a lot of ways, it keeps like um, black New Orleanians out. Like, I mean, like, I mean, I have a lot of family here. Uh, a lot of black people from New Orleans um, who have lived here their whole life have never even gone to the French mm-hmm. Quarter and never seen it. So um, there's that an is idea something. that that there's an idea that almost like it won't let you in, like you're not supposed to be mm-hmm. there in the quarters. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm not from New Orleans. I don't claim to be. I'm from Mississippi. I have family that's from here, so I, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'm a similar story. Uh, after some economic changes that happened kind of in the tri-state area a lot of the shrimping moved to mississippi Mm -hmm. um and so uh my family moved just for purely economic reasons but the Mm -hmm. older people stayed so i was there like every weekend uh my mama my great-grandmother lived um in on annunciation street and then mountain street and Mm -hmm. so i went to those two places virtually every every weekend mm-hmm. so um tell us where did crossroads and conjure or crossroads and coincidences sorry i like i see i keep seeing you as like a, like it's a lit- i don't know we're gonna it's talk alliter- about yeah it's and also a literary yeah and it is we're gonna talk about conjure later on and like um race and all that kind of oh, stuff yeah. but um where did crossroads and coincidences come from um i th- i think they're two things that really drive the function of magic because mm-hmm. beyond just reading I'm an active I guess most succinctly occult practitioner um, mm-hmm. and I b- really do believe a collision of um, like place and circumstance mm-hmm. really plays into how magic is formulated mm-hmm. uh, and 
I also think that that's kind of what our life is full of. Mm-hmm. That and that and when you want your cards read, you're usually at a crossroads, awaiting mm-hmm. a coincidence. Mm-hmm. And they usually happen in the reading, mm-hmm. popping off. Hold on for two seconds. I just want to. So then you just um, started. You just started your Instagram and stuff. Yeah. Um, what is your Instagram? Tell us your like handles and stuff like that. So I am at Crossroads and Coincidences on Instagram. And the website is the same name, just .com. Um, so scheduling is available on my website. And you can learn a little bit more about me. Uh, but Instagram is where I'm really putting a lot of energy, which has also been a developmental process for me in an in a unexpected way. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So um, also I know that we both kind of identify with like Hermes and stuff like that. Um, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about that because I feel like that has something to do with crossroads and coincidences, um, especially just like uh, with the practices. Like New Orleans has a lot of like trickster energy, mm-hmm. um, Hermes, and uh, is associated a lot of times with like um, Papa Legba and and Saint Espidy, which yeah. I, because he he delivers the Cajun mythology about him is that um, he is a swift deliverer of whatever mm-hmm. you petition for. But since he was martyred by being decapitated, they view him as sort of um, just simply dumb. Mm. Like, So he delivers through the most blunt um, path of least resistance way. Mm-hmm. And so you need to be specific with him. Uh, but it's not that he's trying to trick you it's part of his nature so he's like a different face of Hermes for me in New Orleans I have definitely whenever I first moved here I used um, Saint Expedite Mm -hmm. um, a lot um, in order to get like a job and like money Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, to get two jobs actually but um, yeah I remember you were talking about leaving the offerings out so okay so I feel like we kind of need to give a little bit of history. So I I know Tyler from college and Tyler um, was kind of one of the first people that I knew who like had practiced like occult ritual and all that kind of stuff. And um, we talk about this a lot as far as like race and stuff like that. But we, um, he like practices like a hoodoo from like a Cajun lens. Yeah. Um, And so... Like, Tyler basically is the reason I, one of my first introductions to hoodoo, because I think in the black community, there is a lot of um, trauma around that. Um, and then, you know, for hundreds of years, not being able to allow, being allowed to practice um, hoodoo and um, I guess these more indigenous forms of spirituality. Um, the relationship between like black people and Cajun people and like hoodoo is mm-hmm. kind of, it's like, very complicated yeah but um i do think you do a good job of kind of like um not marketeering um the tradition and the way that so i kind of want to talk about that a little bit because i do feel like like the french quarter there is it's monopolized by a lot of white marketeers who are like look at this voodoo doll Mm -hmm. put some pans in it yeah and like like look i'm not gonna name names of what Stores people should stay away from because yeah we don't not, have to name them whether or not they're appropriating I don't want to have to do the work to fend them off to be yeah. honest so <laughs> but uh, if you go to a store that's selling like high John the Conqueror root 
and cascadilla and um, like Grigory bags, mm-hmm. and they're not employing a single person of color, um, then th- that lets you know that you should be suspicious. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and I, that's not to say that their work is not effective because mm-hmm. sometimes people may are focused on what's effective and they don't really think about um, the larger issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I they very well may be effective. That's kind of, yeah. might be part of the problem. <laughs> like, mm, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh-huh. I'm very cautious about who I purchase supplies from. So I think that's mm-hmm. like from like a very material perspective, I think that's a way to start. Yeah. Um, and I also have a belief, which is maybe a little separate, but very connected that the indigenous practices, which are based on like the mise-en-place of the people, like where they lived and worked and ate and what they mm-hmm. could grow, and you know, it's, um, it's being, it, it's being turned into something that um, becomes a more like set of technology. Mm-hmm. That's how people are viewing it. And we, yeah. I think we need to think uh, not just within hoodoo or conjure. But in all of these traditions that people are finding information out about mm-hmm. on the internet, I think we need to decide like what is information in terms of technology mm-hmm. versus uh, what is an initiatory path, mm-hmm. and we need to hear from each other because we have the internet mm-hmm. about what things are okay to use. Yeah, you know, um, because that is why a lot of Cajun folk Catholicism looks mm-hmm. like hoodoo because the same things grow we go to the same stores mm-hmm. whether or not the social relationship was harmonious mm-hmm. that happened and it the changed space. and it changed both cultures right mm-hmm. and so we can't go back to like um the very root and say what's okay for the root now because we are the mm-hmm. ones who have to live this reality mm-hmm. um yeah so yeah. but i think the decolonizing has to also happen on like my side mm-hmm. I know um, Juju she's my sis on Instagram was saying um, white people needed to give black people high John the conqueror like I honestly feel like like you were saying employ people of color employ black people like how many of those stores are like donating to some of the most impoverished parts of New Orleans that have also provided all the culture you know what i mean because yeah. then people don't know how to make gumbo mm-hmm. so it's like and that's not a part that's not a part of knowing someone's magic but no. i mean for me you know i cook a lot and I, I i'm a kitchen witch and like cooking is a magical thing and like knowing how to season food and put a certain kind of uh, shape mm-hmm. into it is um it's important but i think there are a lot of those i mean a lot of those shops like they make so much money but I mean, for over a hundred years, stuff has been marketeered, mm-hmm. and nothing has really changed with um, New Orleans. It's just kind of just gotten worse a little bit. Yeah, I think that's part of like an overall like global mm-hmm. process, which is yeah, that's like different. Kali Yuga basically. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I do think what you were saying is complicated um, because like the metaphysical aspects of like occult. Mm-hmm. Um, occultism, their kind of baseline as far as like you know, use a candle and pray to this saint, or like that's putting like... in jars. You can see mm-hmm. in so many cultures, yeah. Um, and so like, is honey potting appropriation? Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I, 
I'm trying to go through the process of like personally looking within and trying to find opinions outside of me mm-hmm. to resolve those questions. Yeah. Because I think it's also important for like the quality of the magic. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of times too it does have to do with like the spirits that you're praying to and stuff like that. And then, because um, I know you don't practice any like ATRs or anything like that, but that is a huge thing here. I noticed like, um, I guess kind of part of the reason I wasn't so into um, the ATRs here was because there were kind of too many white people. And it was like, it wasn't like I was like, oh my God, I don't want you here. But it was just like, culturally, I didn't feel comfortable praying to like, um ancestors who have gone through a lot of shit you know and i'm sitting here like it's like a lot it's a vulnerability that i just wasn't comfortable with sort of um yeah i will never touch a loa like i will right but and but i think people make the mistake of thinking because the tradition might not be right for you that doesn't mean that you don't experience it because exactly. If you believe, they do. if you believe in other people's work and their mm-hmm. spiritual process, it exists as part it of exists. your reality. It's spirit, yeah. So it's there for us to perceive, mm-hmm. but um, and to to honor in the way, like sometimes backing up is giving reverence. Yeah, right? and I feel like it's it's a it's like these days, like yeah, the technology is in place, but there's kind of like a cultural aspect to it that we. Like, there's undercurrents of that, and it's, like, important to be aware of that mm-hmm. and stuff. Just, like, I get it's the same way with, like, me appropriating a certain culture or, like, um, yeah. So, I think that is an important conversation to have. with. But, yeah, so it is, I think it definitely is very important to be um, just aware of where things come from, like, cultures that they come from and stuff. But, um, yeah, it's kind of really difficult to separate um different elements of hoodoo yeah and what makes it tricky is i like many cajuns i was raised into the roman catholic church um and you know went to catholic school uh had a consistent catholic family and um i was actually really into the concept of religion like orthodox religion even when mm-hmm. i was a kid before i knew what the other things i were doing was doing were called um and a lot of the things i was taught to believe and practice like the praying of the rosary mm-hmm. or uh the novenas to saints which like again there's like an overlapping place with to do mm-hmm. so instead of being like okay here is a, a saint that is foreign to me or some spiritual person from the bible mm-hmm. um it's like oh wait i grew up with that too isn't it cool that we're different but mm-hmm. we still have this mm-hmm. and it's also kept away from everybody else in a sense because catholicism is so close to the reality that most people practice saint veneration and that sort of thing who are deep into catholicism mm-hmm. like think about latin america just alone, yeah right and so that it's excluded in a sense that makes it taboo, but it's mm-hmm. also kind of the majority. Mm-hmm. That, and I think that's important to bring up too, because um, like I lived in whenever I lived in Latin America, um, like there's a lot, there's all race, all kinds of like colors there and stuff like that. But the Catholicism does kind of um, create, I guess, the Catholicism and the Saint veneration. It creates these common elements. Um, between like white people there and black people. I would say black people there are 
more connected to the um, indigenous mm-hmm. spiritual, like black um, spirituality, like African spirituality. But um, yeah, I would say it's impo- it's interesting because hoodoo has a lot of commonalities with like brujeria in Mexico, mm-hmm. um, and those even those elements are complicated. Yeah, I think um, like Latin American magic under a lot of different names uh, is they, they did not use the same technology. They use more technology than yeah. Cajun people. Um, but the logic was the same. Like the sympathetic mm-hmm. witchcraft of like when you put thing in, things in a vessel and light a candle on top, like that's the same, mm-hmm. you know? So um, touch you can touch that vein as a, as a Cajun raised in that kind of tradition mm-hmm. a little bit. Not not claiming that I understand it experiential, experientially. Mm-hmm. It's another reference. It's another like correspondence to put away in the inventory of your mind. Mm-hmm. Like just because you are not meant to practice something doesn't mean you shouldn't know it. Mm-hmm. Exactly true. So, um, what are some of your go to like um, rituals, and what are some of the most common things you do? Okay, um, so. I think the foundation of any good practice is like a, finding a way to regularly invoke energy mm-hmm. uh, as pure energy as you can get and then banish it in the evening to mm-hmm. clear your space and prepare your vessel for sleep and the experience of dream and mm-hmm. all of that. So I think there's a basic necessity that, that we have in magical hygiene and everything gets constructed around that. Mm-hmm. So I start off with um, like a spiritually focused bath, not necessarily with herbs, mm-hmm. but just like with the act of faith that me just taking a shower and honoring the reality of the soap as a mm-hmm. symbol, I can I can do it. Like mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm trying to think big and potential of how far you can stretch yeah. when your magic is available to you. Right? It's all imagination. Yeah, and so uh, after that, I like. Um, we'll do a lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram, which is a hermetic mm-hmm. dawn kind of staple. Uh, and then I light saint candles. Mm. Um, and then I clean my house. Which saint candles? Um, mostly, um, it's sort of related to the larger workings going on in my life. So this will probably change over time. But St. Joseph, Virgin of Guadalupe, um, there are certain plant spirits like rue candles mm-hmm. that I, I keep mm-hmm. um, and like say for instance if there's something I really absolutely could not find mm-hmm. or I feel like it, someone has taken something from me um, I'm going to do a novena to St. Anthony mm-hmm. okay yeah. that's what's up so invoking um, so basically um, this is you said about like moving energy um invoking evoking yeah so to create like a a a movement of the sun within your Mm -hmm. energy system that like you give Mm -hmm. it a schedule and consistency and that you keep energy running and focusing Mm -hmm. on the best energy you can get Mm -hmm. um and that involves what sort of spiritual court you work Mm -hmm. with that has a big impact like Mm -hmm. i i respect santa muerte Mm -hmm. i I do not actively work with santa muerte Mm -hmm. um and I've got mad respect for people who do venerate her, mm-hmm. but that is a decision that should be taken up 
with a lot of mindfulness mm-hmm. and discernment that um, I think people are sometimes reluctant to do or, or realize that like mm-hmm. entering part of having a good relationship is starting it off on the right foot and like is she coming to you in dreams mm-hmm. like what are you ready to have the reality of death with you always mm-hmm. uh, you can grow tremendously from it but it's it is a mind-altering experience so you need mm-hmm. to give yourself the opportunity for real informed consent mm-hmm. hmm that's very interesting. Did you know I had a stint of working with something? What do you think? No. <laughs> uh-uh. Yeah. I actually stopped after a bit because I was like, I because I started to feel, I was like, hmm, is this like appropriation sort of? Um, My experience was that she uh, started coming to me every night, mm-hmm. um, but it would be in only one of her three like main robes, mm-hmm. but I saw all three. Hmm. And um, I sh- I would constantly be in a dream and open a door, and then I was in a botanica that was nothing but Santa Muerte things. What? And the whole dream was a desperate sense of trying to navigate my way to find a candle and fix it to light it for her. Huh. And so I was like, okay, well, so she's knocking at the door. So mm-hmm. um, I I went through that process for a while and it wasn't that it was like she wasn't working for me or or that like we had a bad relationship it simply was the dream became like business is done Mm -hmm. i'm on my way yeah i'm like okay Mm -hmm. yeah she definitely worked for me too she was amazing wow but yeah i kind of stopped after a bit and then started doing my own other stuff I wanted to get back to kind of water spirits a little bit yeah. and talk a little bit about hurricane turning. Oh, <laughs> like it's not fun, but a no, thing, yeah. well, it, it's like it. It is definitely my trauma. Yeah. Um. So for context, like New Orleans was badly hit, especially via flooding. But I was in Biloxi at the time, and Biloxi, which is like an hour from here. Yeah, yeah, and um. So if you look at the map of mississippi it's at the very center of the very bottom so the gulf of mexico was at the end of my subdivision um but i was in hurricane katrina um i was not with any family uh i was in my home uh the only person i was with was my uh, second cousin who was in his 60s who was hard of hearing and who was very very drunk Mm. um and so I was on my own for the emotional experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got six and a half feet of water in my house when I was 5'8". And it wasn't just regular water. Oh it God. was swamp water. When, the, when the water receded out finally, there were people's teeth in my house. Ugh. Oh my uh, God. Like nine people died in my subdivision. So um, hurricane turning became a very real experience mm-hmm. for me. Um, trying to find a consistent regimen that can keep an area safe Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's going to become more important so it's better to look now Mm -hmm. at what like if if our earth is on the journey it is seeming to go strategically we should be trying that this thing just from a purely like um, like 
if I can say scientific on a spiritual podcast, mm-hmm. a scientific way, like find out what, what, what this works. This is spirit science. Yeah. So period, yeah. yeah. And, um, and theoretically, weather magic is easy because what you're looking for whenever you craft any magical act before you do anything else, figure out what the means of manifestation are going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole thing, like if you do prosperity spells and you never like work or never buy a lottery ticket, you don't have the opportunity that you would have for income. Mm-hmm. And so the, look at your life and see what are the channels things are most likely to be like outcoming as. Mm-hmm. And, and um, weather magic has all sorts of variables because temperature is fluctuating and there's humidity mm-hmm. and there, there's jet stream patterns and it, it's a mess of variables. And so it should be easy with like a kind of chaos theory mentality mm-hmm. to orchestrate that. Yeah, because it's not like there's one determining factor. Mm-hmm. It's a like lot of rolls of the dice at once and you only have to win a few times. Mm-hmm. So then um, what are some ways that people do hurricane turning? So I know that some houses, blue houses do hurricane turning. I've heard that through uh, word of mouth and through people who have participated. Um, I have not myself participated in they that. They do what kind of turning? Li- uh, like hurricane turning, like uh, like voodoo-oriented oh. ceremonies. Um, but I've only heard of that, so I don't know technique. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm trying to be... Uh, we can't say no names. Yeah, we yeah, ain't yeah. saying no names, period. Uh-huh. But in, in any case, that's for the Patreon, y'all. Yeah. Okay. Well, Patreon better tell me so I can get some evil eyes in my house. Ah! Um, but but no. But hey. Beyond that, there are some planetary things. Like there is a seal in the Greater Sea of uh, uh, the Greater Key of Solomon that I have um, put on Instagram. Mm. Um, but I think people sigilizing, like forming glyphs with intent. Mm-hmm. Um, would also work just as well especially if we did a a bunch of them and uh in my experiments i i've learned this through an, uh, another podcast but uh, there's something called sigil shoaling where you get a bunch of intents of, of things uh, like if instead of just saying like you know he will love me how are the mm-hmm. hundred different ways that life can change so that he might love you Mm-hmm. Not saying that's the best thing to do, but yeah, people need to chill on the love uh-huh. shit. But but, uh, but yeah, just to look at all of that and do a bunch of separate intents that you activate together, and then you give one that like you know is going to happen, like the sun will rise tomorrow, or you know I'll drink water, and mm-hmm. so it definitely comes comes true. There's an idea that if you accompany one piece of magic with another that's more likely to come true they're both more likely they swim mm-hmm. like fish in a school mm-hmm. toward your reality is that kind of hermetic uh no or that's from chaos magic chaos yeah because so that voodoo um voodoo gnostic workbook that it they talk about that kind of stuff that and that, that book definitely has like a chaos streak yeah it does because they're talking about gnosis from a chaos magic like state of mind that yeah. you need to be in in order for magic to be successful versus like a uh, like teachings of Jesus Gnosticism mm-hmm. damn so then um, that's really interesting that like it's kind of like you're manifesting but through the energy of knowing that something else is for certain it's like 
Mm-hmm. Kind of like mentalism. Um, kind of complicated. But, <laughs> <laughs> but if y'all want to follow it, you know, don't be out here summoning any kinds of yeah. angels and shit. Oh, speaking of, okay, let's get on like some conjure shit. So okay. like, let's talk about spirits. Like, mm-hmm. um, cause I know that you have had a past of working with like spirits of different um, levels and stuff. Me personally, I don't do, I just work with my like guides, but I know that you have, um, especially when I met you in college, you're kind of, <laughs> if so I could, if he's, I could. <laughs> he's trying to come up with a coy way of saying, yes, I have summoned a demon before. <laughs> I was gonna say I use like the demon emoji, like the purple one, like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just thought about the dorm. We like we're like in the dorms together. You're like my neighbor. Yeah. We like became friends the first day. You were. I think you may have been the first person I met. Oh my god, that was so funny. And then yeah. <laughs> that, that that I was actually thinking about that today. That we wow. Only, there's this movement toward like everyone talking about like a chosen family. I think mm-hmm. the idea is really wonderful, but I think most people view it as the family that you choose. Mm-hmm. I think there is a second kind of chosen family, one that was chosen for you by the forces. Mm-hmm. I totally see that, and you just meet in mm-hmm. like coincidental ways mm-hmm. at, at crossroads hey yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's a plug y'all <laughs> follow on crossroads and coincidences <laughs> marketeer too y'all know uh-huh. I'm a marketing girl hit me up for those consulting services but anyway um so yes uh, what were we talking about uh, we were talking about when I summoned the, the summoning demons. the demons cause you know I don't do that I, I stay I stay washed in the blood of Jesus, so mm-hmm. you know, I the most I'm gonna do is pray to some saints. It's <laughs> and my gods right now. Unless but. you're like a Thelemite who's summoning demons from the lesser key, which is a, a, an impor- a, important pastime for a lot of them. Um, mm. You know, most people need to be washed in the blood of Jesus in order to even try to summon one. And that's this, what you don't be out here willy nilly doing it. And I, I did it in tenth grade, but I, I still took a long time making the decision. Thank you very much. Um, but mm-hmm. it was for something very, very stupid. It was just to get my astronomy textbook back. Mm-hmm. It's after sunset, so I'm not about to say the demon's name. Just you know, yeah. that's a good hygiene thing. But uh, but yeah, that's all it was for. And I didn't have any terrible experience in the outcome. It was mm-hmm. the actual invoking to physical manifestation part that was not an experience I wanted to repeat. Just energetically, it was not enjoyable to me. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So do you feel like people can conjure spirits unintentionally? Yes. I think the biggest like crossing force in people's psychic reality is the, that version of themselves. So the like lower vibration, like lower vibratory version of themselves, like existing in the spirit realm. That or like what? that they're they're just existing in that space for too much time, mm-hmm. so that like the 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 spirits surrounding them, the the result of their actual footprint, mm-hmm. um, it will live with them, and that if you allow those things, those lower vibrational states, to not 
happen and then productively disappear, then you create a reality for you that actually you are you are crossing yourself. Hmm. That makes total sense in the holographic matrix reality. Mm-hmm. Um so then do you feel like people kind of because a lot of people do think like other people sometimes are trying to like hex them and cross them and stuff but a lot of times it is kind of your own mindset that can fortify against things huh because if you think you're creating a thought form every time you meet someone because you Mm -hmm. don't have you don't touch their full reality you create an image of them that operates mechanically in the world and thus exists as a force an intellectual mm-hmm. force existing in the astral plane and so mm-hmm. the way you think about other people whether it is true or not creates a, a, re, a spiritual reality for you mm-hmm. that is liable to cross you that's why you don't need to have no expectations about people mm-hmm. but yeah that is interesting that's hella philosophical because it is it's not like even if you're having sex with somebody, you're still like a separate consciousness. It's not mm-hmm. like you can ever like merge consciousness and experience the same way. I mean, that's arguable too. But in uh, the normal, normal space, you don't really touch people in that way. So yeah, it is kind of like you're creating a thought form, and yeah, um, you work with it in in uh, marital therapy because most people their relationship problem even if it's a sex problem mm-hmm. is about communication mm-hmm. and so the process is just as much getting the projected versions to get along like to mm-hmm. understand their each other and resolve the differences which are really nothing that their projection reality has turned mm-hmm. into something and that's why parental relationships are so difficult too, huh? That because that's the that's some deep shit. <laughs> that that is the voice that the lets the world operate under the idea that the only way people get better is if you beat the bad out of them. Mm-hmm. That like um, how we create the projection for the child, they're gonna take whatever you do and magnify it, mm-hmm. and so it becomes worse than what you were. Mm-hmm. And all the more reason to think about what your strategy is going to be, um, because they will live with that, and then it won't even have your voice anymore; it'll have theirs. Mm-hmm. So it's the force that tells them, like, you look like shit. You're not going to be able to do it, and just tries to find every flaw and never let it go. Mm-hmm. And we're going to create a little bit of that, but like, how give someone an amount they can resolve. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of. My listeners out there, the millennials, we have a lot of parental trauma, you know? Mm-hmm. I've actually been getting a lot of people um, in the descriptions describe, like, they, they're they like, I am going through a lot of um, purging, intergenerational trauma and healing. Um, so I think that is, that's an undercurrent. I mean, even with the whole, um, you know, um, the recent... Um, movement, like I don't know really what to call it now, because everything I don't know. It's the summer twenty twenty has been lit, but I do think um, it's just created a kind of current, you know. Mm-hmm. The, I think the um, some of people's conceptions of ancestors can be wrapped up in these projections. Hmm. The, I, I'm not just talking about knowing an individual and thinking untrue things about them mm-hmm. but the collective of what kind of psychology ancestors have hmm. 
you know like the ancestors be like memes yeah mm-hmm. that's also why I'm a proponent of um, you know I'm a star seed ancestor mm-hmm. girl and I do I feel like me like the fact that I revere like let's say well I, I call myself a Pleiadian cause like I've had constant contact you know I don't know it just uh, I have had a lot of coincidences to know to say them them my cousins or something like that but I think it helps me view like living on earth in a way that um is good for like sustainability and living on earth because I see the planet as like a spaceship and thinking like systematically we should be using resources in a way that doesn't create these parasitic like you know systems where where there's like population overpopulation but actually it's like where the way that we're doing agriculture is like wrong so I feel like that's shit that like starseed ancestors knew you know like fucking aliens like know this shit like this is like me saying it like you know how I'm saying it but I feel like that is that's a like characteristic I think if extraterrestrials or like you know um the people from a serious star are like Pleiadians, Lemurians, people in Atlantis, like, I think they understood that, like, technology and technological advancement is also wrapped up in your relationship with the environment, and it's not necessarily, like, conquering it, mm-hmm. and just wasting up shit, and being, and just being greedy, it's more like working in tandem, because we could literally have, like, we could be creating water and food that helps people live for, like, a hundred more years, you know? Whereas it's going to money and like a lot of a lot of like lower vibration like material world. I'm thinking of the tree of life and like the bottom part, mm-hmm. but like it's going a lot of the energy is going to that. Like you know, uh, we have to find a way to be in harmony with Earth for as long as we possibly can. But I'm and I'm talking many 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 years from now. It is inevitable that we will have to find a way to have a spiritual reality we can interact with in space because Mm -hmm. the goal of like science and physics long term is going to have to be escaping the universe we know Mm -hmm. what's going to happen to it and we should not be here it's not Mm -hmm. great you know Um, and so we need the highest level of of advancement up as we can get but we also need to perfect the perfect the process of symbiosis. Mm. Do you mean going to like another galaxy or a uh, or even nearby planets? Like I, I, oh, planet. I it's, a, oh. it's like it's a long it's a long um, story how I got there. But to I was Mars. no, I was having dinner one time with uh, one of the astronauts who was working as a consultant for one of the companies that is seeking to go to another planet, mm-hmm. um, and. I asked them if their hiring practices were that they gave people a psychological exam before they got on the ship. And he said, no. <gasps> this and what I see is we have not had an initiatory process like that before of being mm-hmm. on another planet. It is going to be a spiritual crisis. And even people who are normally doing well, when knowing as a, as a reality they would be divorced from Earth forever, we don't know how easy we snap. And so we need have we need to have some sort of spiritual basis to interpret our experiences as mm-hmm. we leave this planet, or someone's gonna pull the freaking airlock. Oh my god, did you? I like was obsessed with Christopher Pike 
growing up. Do you know who that is? No. Christopher Pike um, was this um, novelist. Like, that was a pen name. But all of his novels had to do with, um, like, let's say one novel was actually about these people who got on a spaceship and traveled so far. They traveled light years away from Earth and then came back, but it was so quick that they only aged 10 years, but by the time they got back, the whole Earth was dust. So the whole book was about them coming to this realization, but also the fact that there's this, like, entity there that had, like, grown and kind of taken over after humanity was gone. And so, um, you just saying that, I was kind of like, damn, bitch, I could be the shaman out there, shit. We just need to make sure we got some shroom spores. Because, you know, I do think that is important because it is, it's, I think, grounding your, like, I guess, cosmological perspective in, like, the stars makes it so that you, like, if we do have to leave the planet, shit, we got spiritual people on lock, you know what yeah, I mean? Because we, we can, scale. I can give tarot readings on Saturn. I would prefer that, you know, like, that's the different planet. So, <laughs> that is so true. And, yeah, I think of that also is, yeah. That is a very, like, Octavia Butler kind of theme, too, yeah. Especially just because, like, shaman, spiritual people will always be needed, period. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking of that series. It's funny you said mm-hmm. that. My, my husband has that, like, on the table for me to read. Right now? Yeah. Which series? Octavia Butler's, uh, the one where the protagonist is, like, a religious revolutionary. I forget the, the series of books. I haven't even read that. Damn, I'm like channeling your thoughts. I need to quit. <laughs> Fuck well, you need to read that then. That's what I think Spirit's saying that. You mm-hmm. should definitely read it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Because um, I don't even know the name of any of the... Um, I just have the Dawn book. Mm-hmm. With the that That's the only book I've read of hers, but I know about the philosophy, you know, Afrofuturism mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I've experimented with constructing languages like... Um, almost like alien languages with completely different rules that have like the purpose of magic built into them kind of Mm -hmm. like you would see in a middle egyptian Mm -hmm. um and experimenting with seeing if i can get that fictional language and all of its correspondences to work magically because like what what if we have to start all over like we should we should know what what you absolutely need to make magic and what else is the space that you get to create and Mm -hmm. you know I mean, I feel like I just need my body to make magic, usually. Yeah, I I think empty-handed magic, that is to say magic that is done without any props um, or even like intellectual uh, handrails, just like a pure experience of um, total belief and concentration and activation. Like if you can get to that space, Mm -hmm. then you really get to use the canvas in a fun way. So I encourage people to adventure out in ways that are safe and that they feel ready for to see what they can do that way. I feel like, to be honest, like, and this isn't me being like, ooh, I'm a fucking... I do call myself a hoodoo mystic because that's what I am. But I have found, like, even since, like, college, like, the kind of stuff I experience, and you too, it's like people... I have friends who aren't into this stuff, but the coincidences just kind of line up so much that they're like, they don't even really like question kind of like me doing what I do, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I feel like a lot of the times, like 
I feel like the juju is in me and stuff like that, but I hear about other people having these experiences where they're, you know, like I think we were talking about this earlier, where they're like in between the veil and stuff. Mm-hmm. But a lot of my stuff is like external coincidence stuff where it's like certain events line up in ways that you can't, like for instance, being struck by lightning mm-hmm. during a spiritual enlightenment. Like that's like external, like event stuff that kind of just, I don't know, it's like it verifies, but also it's just kind of like, I don't know. That's a that's definitely like a full Catholicism um, like staple to like my sister uh, prays for the intercession of uh, Saint, exactly yeah, yes uh, <laughs> Saint Teresa Lisieux, which is a oh. French saint. Uh, but when you work with her, she has like a very um, cool, approachable, um, young, loving, but uh, like gentle uh, mm-hmm. female presence. Um, and she died very young. I think it was of tuberculosis. Mm. Um, and when she grants a petition, she shows you flowers. Hmm. So you're just out like looking. You're oh, waiting yeah. for the flower to come to you. You're like, where's the damn yeah, flower yeah. at? Yeah. And, wow. And, and, so there are a lot of things like that. Like when, you know, um, when I lose people in my family, I say their rosary for nine days back to back. Like, mm-hmm. um, and I, I don't do the whole rosary every night. I do the, the mysteries associated with the day of the week. It's mm. almost almost planetary, but it's off of different aspects of Jesus's life. Um, what? Yeah, like. But Jesus is the sun moving through the fucking galaxy, the solar system. Yeah, so it's kind of so like, it makes sense. Like it, it's kind of like the whole Osiris when he is in the earthly plane, and then mm-hmm. when he's like when he's kind of in the underworld, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It, like there's a different reality. There are sorrowful mysteries like mm. him getting whipped and all, knowing he's going to die and all that sort of stuff and then there are Damn. luminous mysteries that are grouped together that are more like um the 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 presence of the potency of god moving through him in mm. a very like pure like guru like way you know wow so like this is hella witchy so yeah and, and different mysteries you turn to those for different kinds of petitions like mm-hmm. so basically between uh halfway between the hail mary you're supposed to focus on your intention of what you want for praying and mm-hmm. to kind of frame it materialistically um but from the attitude of you having already gotten it and being grateful for that fact Damn, because, that's hella witchery. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it, that's it, like chaos almost. Yes, exactly. Like. Yeah, and it's like a, it's a, but at the same time, it is a pure expression of faith because it's something that maybe even your material mind thinks is ri- ridiculous, mm-hmm. or that um, you don't know the full historical context of mm-hmm. that is so distant that's from you. That's the mind, but you believe in it anyway. And the universe creates the path to it. Yeah, I don't think faith is like believing every single article it's the process of being able to suspend all of your logical mm-hmm. thinking and not in a non-foolish um point of clear consciousness <laughs> hallelujah thank you jesus we got the gospel in here from the the Tyler cajun from crossroads and coincidences at crossroads and coincidences on instagram that is so deep but i mean yeah a lot of magic is the intention i mean part of the reason that catholicism is like so witchy is because it's like these like very occult hidden mad occult it's like they've cloaked these occult 
technological things or te- occult technology and symbolism, Bibles, biblical symbolism. Yeah, there was like a, a co-occurring movement of like male solar monotheism happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. And there was also the pre-existing import of really already ancient Egyptian mm-hmm. magical concepts. Mm-hmm. And that there was a like a library of Alexandria moment where things blended together and became a language all of its own mm-hmm. and and uh, Catholicism in particular shares in that flavor I like Zoroastrianism mm-hmm. or, because there's a there's an antiquity to it and it's ornate but mm-hmm. um, it also contains this like cyclical solar concept because mm-hmm. it's not like um a lot of charismatic churches mm-hmm. there's a liturgical year so every day there are cer- certain verses certain things to meditate on it gives you a full schedule and it moves predictably uh, predictably through his life and death and time with this that season. is astrological yeah so you, you can look to that and <laughs> kind real. of like look look at what the message under the message is and don't get hung up on agreeing with everyone else who's touched that thing because you'll never mm-hmm. be able to do that hmm so I also wanted to talk about um, so do you feel like with Catholicism like so there's a lot of patriarchal phallic worship in it mm-hmm. but I think there is a there's of course a, a an, an empowering way to I guess revere the divine masculine mm-hmm but without taking, without, I guess, like minimizing the divine feminine. And I have no belief whatsoever that divinity is, can be touched by gender. Exactly, like, yeah. I, I, like, I would have like an emanationist theology where God is a non-dual reality beyond all label or conception, which exists mm-hmm. only as a always unmanifest but manifesting potential Mm. and so um like around that you have all these like fragments of light that are coming from it but not the exact same Mm -hmm. and that the the panoply of heaven the the nature spirits the things that you work with are faces i guess that would be similar to a lot of the hindu view Mm -hmm. of brahman so i i am okay with the depiction of God as male, but also see it as a falsehood, like many mm-hmm. of the histories of some of the saints, mm-hmm. which are blatant falsehoods. And it's a mechanism, it's a, it's a like, <clears throat> a like vehicle mm-hmm. to like move the energy, like a, to have a, a certain concept in mind of the absolute, sort of. Yeah, and I mean, there are social issues wrapped up in a lot of Catholicism, but you know ancestor work is definitely part of my practice but it's a completely different kind of experience because it's very hard to find a lot of ancestor space within recent history that is okay to touch Mm -hmm. and catholicism is a vein in which a lot of my ancestors did the most redeeming things Mm -hmm. like i work at saint vincent de paul the uh, homeless shelter for years with my papa and um, I saw a really like good lovable part of him in that mm-hmm. but got him in front, in front of a TV on, with the news playing and it was so bad I couldn't be in the same room 
Oh, and oh, so God. like, I, I mm. in a, in a way, it's not my whole practice, but it's something I keep as a fixture of my practice because it is something to touch mm-hmm. that connects me not only to them but to the space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I find that healthy for me. So speaking of ancestors, like. Um, I know that you said that there's like in recent history there's some that you don't want to touch sort of like how do you uh, I think that's important to think about for like a lot of um, a lot of white people and black people period like I mean I have a lot of ancestors who like did bad stuff but especially for white people like what what is your way of like doing how do you feel like you're like doing I guess reparative work for yourself around that and like you know or like is are you able to like i guess do you feel like through healing yourself doing that like with your conception of race that you're like helping your ancestors what's how do you feel about that so i i kind of put myself in a hanged man position for several several years doing really clinical psychotherapy for people with the most severe uh mental illness like very repeat uh, hospitalizations, high acuity, even outpatient. Mm -hmm. And um, I worked primarily with the East Baltimore neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was a really transformative part of Mm -hmm. my life because I'd volunteered for the homeless before and things. But it was like really time limited. You know, you Mm -hmm. got to go home, right? Um, But it was work that consumed me all the time. And mm-hmm. having to see things that your ancestors purposefully looked away from mm-hmm. and the remnants of the things that they did mm-hmm. um, that I'm not saying I'm like recovered, but I'm, oh, in, yeah. I'm in recovery mm-hmm. from a, a, a whiplashing consequence of mm-hmm. what has happened in our timeline. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't be bitter about that because mm-hmm. then that that engenders bad spirit on every different end, mm-hmm. right so i have to come to peace with it and I, I view it as one of the challenges of growth given to me in my time and that mm-hmm. i should honor it and try to put some work into it yes well speaking of um ancestors and stuff we need to get onto these hauntings oh yeah um so we wanted to talk a little bit about um, New Orleans because there's a lot of ghost tours around here. And speaking of the ghost tours, they need to put some fucking masks on because oh. that shit is annoying. Because we have our um, our coven meetings <laughs> in the quarter, but it's like I park and I'm walking and there's hella tourists. I'm like, why are people coming to New Orleans to get tours during a pandemic? I'm, I feel like, I don't know, it's like you can go on Google Maps and get on the Google Earth and do a tour. But I don't know, it's just interesting. Um, but the, yeah, a lot of them are getting ghost tours because there is a lot of lore around. Well, I mean, it's not just lore. It's like you can feel the energy of it. Um, but there is a lot of like history in the French Quarter especially. Um, and we want to talk a little bit about some people so who did you want to talk about first so i think we could get the biggest one out the way first and talk about lollery mansion um which is on royal street on the 1100 block of uh, royal street and it 
recently got famous a couple years ago because of American Horror Story Coven. And um, then um, prior to that, Nick Cage owned it for a short time, but lost ooh. it in foreclosure. Um, around the same time, he built his like pyramid crypt here he has. Which Cur- is, what? He's got a crypt in... Yeah, and what is that? Uh, in like St. Louis number one, I think it is. Uh, a grave, a, like he's got a marble pyramid with cage oh. written on it, and he—that's just where he's gonna go. I mean, he loves New Orleans, okay, well, but is there some deeper meaning to that? Um, the pyramid, I don't know. Probably some national treasure shit. I'm not sure, but oh. in any case, he lived in the house and had a bad time. I don't know. Really? Yeah, um, but if you go to nola.com and search like uh, the mansion itself. You will find that in like 2018, something like that, they showed pictures of the interior, and it looks like they they designed it to piss ghosts off, because um, oh. like the top floor is like a neon crucifix and all like all red neon light. It's like a like a gothic temple kind of vibe. Oh, and the upholstery has skulls on it and stuff, and it's di- it's disrespectful, I think, because like people were brutally tortured. Lollery. She Hmm. fled New Orleans to France because she became so infamous. Hmm. And um, the only reason anyone found out that she was torturing enslaved people was that someone started a fire in the house. So Hmm. the fire department had to go in, and that's when they found. And was she Creole? Was she white Creole or what? Um, I I believe she may have been. Yeah, she she may have been born. In America, I don't know. That's the old definition of Creole. It's like if you were the generation that was born on new land. Yeah. Because I know she had dual citizenship or something like that, obviously. How do you spell that? Uh, L-A-L-A-U-R-I-E. And so what did she do? Um, She, how many years was she doing all that? She, she was... Doing it for an unknown amount of time. The house burnt down in uh, 1983, um, but she was a very prominent socialite. Like, related. yeah, this says this um, New Orleans Creole socialite, mm-hmm. and so it was. It was kind of a shock when it was discovered, and that's part of what made it so famous so quickly. But the place really did burn down. So it was multiple things afterward. It was like public high school an apartment building it was a conservatory it was uh, like a home for like wayward children like mm. delinquents a bar a furniture store and then a luxury apartment building so it's had a lot of lives which i think only adds to the patina of it mm-hmm. um this says she was four years old um when the haitian revolution started and that there was a lot of paranoia around resistance and rebellion amongst um enslaved black people so that could, um, I mean, also in the fact that she most likely had like a mental illness, but that could cr- contribute to like the narrative that might have like kind of become exaggerated for her to do this stuff, you know? Yeah. And, you know, like, I think there is a like a mental psychopathology out there that is basically we can just say evil. Like, mm-hmm. like they're like it can get that bad. I think it's also like if this is it's kind of a form of it's like white vigilantism also that mm-hmm. is like evil too, because it's like I don't know I feel like she probably thought she was keeping order somehow, 
by doing this. Well, she was experimenting with them. True. Yeah, and there and that some... they were that thought that they were worth that they were like they weren't human enough to like deserve that they were like, like you know, channel, yeah, like channel, yeah, basically. Um, there's another one that is on Dauphine Street, and it's called the Sultan's Palace, and uh, it was like originally a mansion owned by another family, but it was rented out to this uh, Turkish like aristocrat, and mm-hmm. he apparently moved in with. Like basically a harem um, and it was either pirates or it was local so the history is unclear but he was apparently a sex worker no <laughs> no no that uh, either a harem a, a harem like a like a, a concubine a, a coterie of concubines exactly a, a female servant mm-hmm. lord jesus and so the locals did not like him and beheaded him and buried his ethnic here yeah yeah in the sultan's palaces and now it's called it maybe a bar i'm not sure oh of um, course it would be a bar and uh i mean then there's like jackson square like let's look at the obvious like um it was in uh like 1810s sometime uh they executed a hundred people huh and decapitated them are you serious yeah. The energy in Jackson Square is weird. I have heard my friend actually say, like, um, because she's black, and she, her ancestors literally told her, like, they were like, don't do readings in Jackson Square, but then that's one of the only places that people can do readings. Mm-hmm. So it's like New Orleans is setting readers up, but it's like people, we don't need to, especially black people, don't need to be doing, trying to do any kind of workings around there because the energy is fucked. Also, whenever I have been looking, I think I sent you, I sent you a picture one time of um, me looking across the river from Algiers, and you can see Jackson Square, and it's just like, just it just looks weird, you know? Just the energy of that mm-hmm. courtyard is too chaotic, it's too much. I don't even like walking through there. That's where the Joan of Arc Parade um, passes through, though, and that's where we usually watch it. On my birthday, January sixth, <laughs> Three Kings Day being <laughs> I'm special, but um, that is super interesting though. So I do think it is something to say, like um, people, especially when they come here with this Dionysus energy, it's like they're passing through these energetic force fields where there's spirits who need energy to feed on. Yeah, I think it creates a, a friction, like a, a like a potent friction. That's and like a, a magnetism almost, because mm-hmm. it's like people are so attracted to the quarter, you know. Yeah, it's it's really weird. I mean, I've lived in a couple places, but this is the first place I'm living that when you tell people you live there, people act like going there was a spiritual experience. That like, yeah. It's calling me, which you don't like necessarily <laughs> hear for a lot of cities. And I'm out here to tell people I love New Orleans. I hope that New Orleans loves me, but it will play tricks on people it does not love. It will tell you. It'll be like, get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll. You just never know. It's a. Yeah, it's. It's an interesting city. Yeah, and I like when native people met the french colonists they were basically like don't move here don't move here like really yeah they're like that's a bad idea this are place, you serious they're like this place has bad spiritual energy and it's it fucking floods 
Like, wow. they're like, don't do it. <laughs> and so, like, this has been known. Well, where were they living? I, I, it's my understanding that they they had more of, like, a, um, a nomadic Nomadic. Pattern. They weren't, yeah. They weren't trying to build a city. Yeah, like, they were familiar with the space and perhaps would defend it under certain circumstances, but they did not choose to live there frequently. Mm-hmm. So they ch- literally chose to build the port here mm-hmm. and drain the water out. Which is what similar to what they did in Mexico City. Um, they drained the water out there. Wow. And yeah, so it is interesting, like, people getting drunk and stuff. Because a lot of spiritual people here, especially in ATRs, don't go... Um, they don't go to the quarter without their head covered. Because there's so much spiritual activity. And, like, being around people who drink are or are drunk a lot in front of you really makes you think like okay what place is alcohol serving in my life and like would my life improve if i were just dry so yeah i've I've, although i initially like went out and had a cocktail or two i'm actually like not vibing with alcohol like Mm kind of like when you're in an altered state of consciousness and a drunk person approaches you the energy is really difficult it's like damn yeah (coughs) true well, yeah, you living in the quarters, so you got to yeah. watch your energy for real, too. I think a good rule of thumb, like going back to magical hygiene, is never put something into your body that makes you feel worse the day after. Because mm. it's talking to you. Mm-hmm. True. As I drink my gin and gin. <laughs> All everything in moderation. Uh-huh. So did you want to do um, a reading of some sort? Sure. Um... So before the reading, we wanted to take a little trip down memory lane. So we're going to do a little reminiscing and then we'll get to the to the reading. So stay tuned. But yeah, it was it was just really different um, back in freshman year. What was like um, occultism and stuff like that for you? Because there's been such a, a recent evolution, you know, where everybody got an Instagram doing tarot. And... Yeah, like when I was coming up learning the occult, um, I had shelved like any kind of Catholic attention for a, a while. And I was doing uh, like Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn stuff. I was uh, spending a lot of time on the internet on like occult forums, which now no longer exist, but were full of people with like really diverse perspectives, sometimes really inflated egos, but a lot of of good information and Mm -hmm. access to PDFs. And I'm over here like trying to learn medieval Latin to, you know, figure out like classic occultism. and that the idea at the time was that every all of us is technology let's learn and experiment like we would do things like um post sigils for one another uh fire them and like test each other on what the effect was like we didn't know what the sigil was going to do so we all fired it and reported our experiences in like a journal like way and at the end of the week it was revealed what it was for Hmm. and so you got to see things how they actually played out it was really cool Mm -hmm. um so when i left home i kind of left that mentality for a while went to old miss and um 
that's when I started doing like empty handed things. I went from like the most ornate like Kabbalah kind of thing to like mm -hmm. nothing. And it was a process of like integrating all of the different magics of the various period of my life and like make them a whole that doesn't necessarily have like logical cohesion, but mm -hmm. has a, a reality and a, an experience for me that I find productive. And uh, I'm just rolling with that, mm -hmm. you know? Yes. And now that there's more of an, a, bit, a way to network with others who feel similar, you know, because there wasn't, I don't, I think, yeah. I mean, before you, I would go to Books A Million when I was younger and look in the witch section. And I, I was always into like the elemental magic like Scott and Cunningham. the shapes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, like the shapes for the elements and all that kind of stuff. And I also, <clears throat> when I was like, I guess when I was like eight years old, from like eight to like 11, I had um, a stick that I used to conjure the wind. So I'll go out and be like, wind. And like, I'll just like sit. And then what I remember one time I like, I made a sour jar, mm -hmm. but it was like a very, it was like, I just was a kid one day and I was like, I just want to make like a potion of the worst shit ever. Totally, yeah. And like I did it and then like, um, I don't think any, nobody found it really. And then I like just discarded it because I knew I couldn't do anything with it. But I put some really terrible shit in there. I, I, uh, I, think that's just, <laughs> like, I think that's just really powerful, though. Like, yeah. I want everybody to learn. I want everybody to, like, learn what exists so you mm -hmm. can create what can be. Right? And I think that is part of the what the reason, like, I guess the reason I was a feel like I was able to grow so much spiritually is because I didn't feel like I had any boundaries because mm -hmm. I was just experimenting, you know. And then my grandma was just there talking about dreams and shit and you know being psychic and stuff and so i think yeah there is a certain aspect like kind of with the chaos magic like you kind of just have to understand that you have your own medium media that you can like use to channel mm -hmm. different types of energy and stuff yeah absolutely i think i think that your spiritual court should be wide mm -hmm. carefully carefully developed and discerned but uh yeah. But it should have a spectrum of experience. Just like you mm -hmm. want all of the tarot cards to cumulatively tell the whole life experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and for me, sometimes mine is complicated because I'm really into Hermeticism and, like, Hermetic Kabbalah. And, like, I love my Rider Waite tarot deck. But they have, like, white images on them and stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm kind of just like, that is what vibes with me, like, culturally. And then, like, just, like... You know, like, Catholicism and just, like, the whole Christian aspect. Like, because, I mean, I'm Christian adjacent. And so, um, but also believe in Pleiadians and, like, <laughs> you yeah. know, everything else. So, um, I think it's, like, you have to kind of have to, I think it's important. I like what you were talking about as far as, like, the um, commonalities between, like, black people and Cajun people is, like, the technology. And mm -hmm. it's the technology at the end. You kind of have to figure out how you're gonna work it yeah i want everyone to respect uh like other people's cultural space but i don't want us to become so separate and unknowing of each other that that engenders a new process of hatred mm -hmm. exactly and i think yeah and i think it's like i guess my i've known you for like um like 13 years and i feel like it's cool that we can have this conversation because i don't think we are whenever we are talking about like who do stuff you weren't saying like 
this is hoodoo. Yeah. Like, you just need to do this spell. You were kind of just like, well, this is what I grew up doing. And, you know, blankety blank blank. And I was like, wow, what? I never had a period where I didn't think magic was possible. Yeah. I never was lucky enough, despite some, like, early trauma, to never lose that uh, experiential reality that it was possible to do these things. Mm -hmm. And And that is what's important. And and so, like, sometimes the stuff I do still is, like, just a kid playing with a jar and Mm -hmm. letting that be okay. Like the the fool. Hmm. Hey, speaking of the fool, we got some cards in front of us right now. Uh, We have the Lenormand deck. Is is that a French word? Yeah, so... Madame as well, um, Mademoiselle Lenormand um, was a French woman. Um, the Petit Lenormand, the one that most people see and the one that's on my Instagram right now, was not actually invented by her. It was invented in Germany, and they used her name as a method of conveying the legitimacy of it. But mm. uh, I also use her system, which later on in my Instagram I'll be teaching people how to do. Um, and what's your Instagram handle again? At Crossroads and Coincidences. And that's spelled out and? Yes. Okay. Uh, so the Petit Lenormand is a system of 36 cards. Uh, the standard spread uses every card on the deck, but we don't have time to do all that. Um, <laughs> but the symbols are really straightforward. They're things that, by and large, we still have in, in common life, or at least know what the symbol means. So it's very easy for people to pick up. Um, And it also differs from tarot in that instead of trying to communicate psychological and metaphysical reality, it is more like a set of symbols designed as almost like an architecture to be able to communicate about a particular aspect of human life. And that is the, the mundane concerns, anxieties, and intrigues of the common person. So basically, if you're trying to be messy boots, these are really good. They're not yeah. like angel cards where you're yeah. all like fluffy. Or like, say, for example, <laughs> I have um, like the baby or the child, the scythe and the tower. It would suggest if I'm inquiring about the health of a pregnancy mm-hmm. that the baby will be delivered, but it will be delivered by C-section. Mm-hmm. And like, I love tarot, but show me where tarot does that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a, it's a very unique kind of thing. To that make. would have to come from the channel. It wouldn't yeah, have to be yeah. able to come from the cards. It relies on the mediumship or, or a psychic ability of the reader. Mm-hmm. And I would like people who don't necessarily have like that connection to still be able to make make something happen like so you're making an argument that any divination is accessible to anybody yes of varying psychic levels but they have to choose a certain card system yeah or divination like, system you have to know your background and like i think hermeticism is a really great place to start because it gives you like a, a card catalog of where do you put things that are like mercury you know like you get mm-hmm. a list so you can construct rituals and all that sort of stuff it's really great but um, these cards can be read very practically and superficially. Like mm-hmm. sometimes the dog, it's really talking about your dog. Like mm-hmm. if you want to ask about the pet of your health or the health of your pet, mm-hmm. you you find out about the dog and it'll tell you. So just for the listeners, they look kind of like traditional playing cards mixed with like um, Rider weight, more more like Renaissance regal yeah. tarot looking images. It has like a, 
aristocratic sensibility and bent, which mm-hmm. that is really actually the thing that makes the, some of the cards hard to read. Like it's mm-hmm. the only difficulty. Like the garden, not really about nature most of the time. It's mm-hmm. about society and how it views you. Like um, the garden plus the birds plus mm-hmm. a letter indicates that, for example, uh, someone may be gossiping about you on social media. Oh! Messy boo. These are the kinds of cards you do Twitter readings for. Twitter's a messy shit. <laughs> but bitch. They, but that for real though, because I um I was just telling you, like, I have like a deck of cards. My Barbara Walter deck is like for the the current events and the cheese man, the gossip. And these cards are very good for just finding out that literal shit, you know what I mean? But also, you know, they're good for inferring about, like, career um, and stuff like that. Spiritual matters, but they can go through all different levels and stuff, so. So, you want to give it a go? Yeah, let's do it. So, um, let's concentrate on this fall with, um, I hate talking about coronavirus, but coronavirus and the quarantine. What is some advice that people should do? Um, to stay protected and safe. Shuffling the cards, some ASMR going on. All right, so for the listeners at home, I'm dealing out nine cards in a square. The center card is the topic. Like if you were doing the Celtic crossbred, the first card that you dealt out. Um, and if you're offended by the, the term dealt out, I grew up in a casino town, so that's a force of habit that's never going away. Dealt out? What does that mean? Like like you deal out blackjack cards. Yeah. It's not as reverent to the, the uh, card as an instrument. Um, <laughs> all right. So I... We'll tell you what the cards are from uh, top to bottom first, just okay. like sets of three. So we have fish, mountain, whip, bear, mice, bird, bouquet, snake, and heart. And you have these in a three by three yeah. square. And so the center card, the mice, is the card of anxiety, especially the anxiety about like your ability to survive in the world. Yeah. Um, and the mice are also the minus card of the Lenormand system. So they take away from the positive qu- cards that are around them. Um, so reading out in a, like straight down in the middle, we see mountain, mice, snake. So mountain usually stands for obstacles, and it can also stand for the nation that you're in. In this case, I think it's both. Um, the mice indicate a continuing anxiety about the well, the the health of the nation, hmm. in all senses, and the snake suggests that the barrier or the mountain is actually people who are ma- Machiavellian and manipulative, and that uh, people who are self-serving hmm. will continue to dominate. This looks like Mount Rushmore. Yeah, in yeah. figurative ways. I've never thought about that. That's interesting. Okay, and so I'll read the past, which is fish, bear, bouquet. And here we have a situation which, not that great for us. Oh, these these cards is... Well, this is the past. (laughs) We we only... 
We've only done the past and the present. I know, but I'm so looking like, bitch. If, if they were all roses, like, in past and present, we would have to reshuffle. Nah. Uh, no, so, fish, bear, and bouquet suggest to me that uh, the bear imagine a corporate man in his 50s to 60s who eats a lot. Like, he orders two entrees at the restaurant and his wife eats a salad. Hmm. And he he takes up space like he, mm-hmm. he is the patriarch. He manspreads. Yeah, um, he can be helpful by conferring power on people, and he has mm-hmm. that positive aspect. But it's all at like Jupiter, and that there's like an avariciousness to him that like mm-hmm. he finds women and comes down and just takes them right. Mm-hmm. Um, ugh, ugh. And Jeffrey Epstein energy. And the, and the fish <laughs> with the bear indicates that the bear is the one catching the fish it especially works because the animal actually eats fish hmm. and it, it's like that they are containing the morsels of wealth because fish stand for really two things um income wages like monetary issues mm-hmm. uh, and drunkenness right? hmm. um a bear paired with the fish is also someone who imbibes in substances so these are these are people who are not necessarily of the best uh, moral fortitude um, because they fall prey to their own vices. Hmm. Um, and the bouquet means during the past they prospered. Hmm. So they they have helped create the situation that we see in the present. Now in the future, the whip card is a card of suffering um when we're talking about jobs it's a it's the job that you clock into and out of and try and think about as little as possible because every time you work it is a burden Hmm. um and so we find ourselves in a situation where so much work is required um and followed by the bird the bird is it's about communication but um, the bird is a gossiper, also mm-hmm. can be quite the, f- the flatterer, hmm. and that we will continue to see a, a veil <coughs> of deception. But the heart suggests at the end that like not all hope is lost, mm-hmm. that we should, and I kind of take the heart card as the, the message from the spiritual core in this case, hmm. that um, the task ahead of us is to keep ourselves like energetically emotionally optimistically healthy Mm -hmm. um, so that at least we can mitigate that effect because Mm -hmm. we will need our strength Mm -hmm. wow i also see this as being like people engaging in more substance abuse that's really true and that goes back to what i was saying before about like people every now and then turning their head to the concept of what would a period of just being dry Mm -hmm. do for me well there is this um this Rapper, I think her name was Chi- I forget how to say it, China, but she um, died from an overdose, and like I think that has been that is also a characteristic of like um, Pluto and Scorpio um, generation, because mm-hmm. Pluto, I mean Pluto's at home, home in Scorpio, but it's like um, escapism, you know, especially if there's another quarantine that happens and another surge that happens, which is predicted. Like, when you were talking about imbibing, I definitely saw it as people, you know... I mean, people here, you know, it's like people stock up on the alcohol and stuff, but especially people who have issues with other types of drugs and stuff, like, 
that can become very serious with mm-hmm. the isolation. So that kind of made me think about that when you were talking about the um, those other cards. I need to get me a Lenormand deck. <laughs> Shit, these are some cool cards. And uh, so I'm gonna put four cards on top of. Oh the, shit! Here we go now. The cards. Okay. Oh god. Um. Oh, that looked like I'm sending you a four-page letter. So no, this is a this is a set of four <laughs> that um, talks about the overall like sensational trend, mm. and it, it is it is uh, mm. foretelling a period of uncertainty about uh, income but in, because of information that is not delivered to us that we are like going to be uncertain about what will be provided for us to get through this crisis and that that anxiety is the is the mice in the center of the original spread mm. that um, income anxiety is very real mm-hmm. and that uh, people need to take the challenge of maintaining wellness throughout that as, as seriously as they can um mm. Harvest your food from the summer, and it's not too late to grow some vegetables. The the card at the very top, which, uh, so the cards have kind of formed a pyramid now, um, is the card that is pressing down like the larger cyclical. The issue. eight lion's gate. Uh, and yeah, so it's the eight, and it's also the coffin. <gasps> and so, oh shit. Um, you know, when you read tarot and you flip the card over and it's death every people have that <gasps> moment right yeah um and you get to say oh well you know the death is a transformation and the next mm-hmm. thing is coming along well Norman don't play like that oh shit death, we're getting dragged death is what it is <clears throat> and that mm. um sometimes you need to be audacious enough in your reading to see death when it comes and in this situation the coffin is the coffin and mm. it means that we will continue to see numbers while this is not attended mm-hmm. while people are getting false information and i'm not over here like wanting to read people to tell them the worst news possible like mm-hmm. i'm not going to drag you for filth like through reading that's not the kind of process i'm interested in mm-hmm. but um sometimes the reality is what it is mm-hmm. well yes well thank you ashe for that reading thank you <laughs> Um, you know, I love a good drag. I'm a Saturn bitch. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, I'm all, also we are basically conspiracy theorists over here in the MSF fam. So y'all know coming with the coming with the real view. You know what I mean? Yeah. Period. Uh, I see you have some other decks over there. What 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 what's some other ones over there? So I have the Crowley deck, and I also have the Grand Je Lenormand. Um, the one that is more closely based on what she read with. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to maybe do a reading for the collective, like yeah. spiritually? Yeah, let's see. Because I feel like there's a spiritual ascension moment going on. Maybe like for the rest of Mars and Aries, like what's the energy looking like, you know? Seeing you flip the cards just make me want to pull mine out. Ah! I love my cards. Does that say rot? 
Uh, oh, yeah. So the, the cards have uh, quite a little setup. There's an, uh, a Latin letter in the corner, and sometimes underneath that, that has the geomantic figure. Um, at the center top, you have a constellation. Um, then the playing card insert on the other side. And then in the middle, you have this big central scene, and it could be from the Trojan War, um, Jason and the Argonauts. It could be uh, from the Zodiac. Or it could be what are called the unforeseen cards, which are just more like hazard events. And um, so here really I'm seeing we're going to go on a process of continuing to have to steer our resources really carefully and that we are going to go through a process of waiting. Um, it also has a, a, a card of uh, theft that like basically Zeus is stealing away with a girl and so it, it, it indicates again like I did the reading with, with uh, Petitio on my Instagram that there's some sort of deception or their handoff that's happening that is unknown to oh! the public that um, will not surprise us for what it is but we do not know about it yet hmm. so it's, it's coming um, hmm. and it, it indicates us waiting patiently going into the past it, it indicates that we've had a fundamental problem with the wrong people getting accolades hmm. and that something was slipped into our system hmm. with us unaware. It is literally the Trojan horse going through the gates. And so that could, that could be talking about the coronavirus or it could be talking about like, you know, intelligentsia from other countries. Or I things. feel like this is the news too. Yeah. Cause you know, intelligentsia is driven by other countries. Sometimes Russia, for instance, I just read this news article. Um, we got to do co-readings. We need to get on IG Live and do, like, co-readings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on IG Live, they are talking about how, like, Iran and China have vested interests in Biden winning, and Russia has vested interests in Trump winning again. Mm -hmm. And they have been putting, like, basically information out there to drive people's attention so that it's, like, oh, diverted while all this other shit is going on. So it's, like... I do feel like there is a lot of Trojan horse stuff. Also, I didn't bring this up, but like this is the there's a new WAP video, Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion, and I feel like there's a lot of symbolism in that too. But um, there's been a lot of weird celebrity news happening, to where it's kind of like so it's weird. There's a, a lot of water spirit stuff happening, but a lot of stuff where it's like driving people's attention, but it makes me wonder what's happening in the background. I'm like, hmm. Yeah, like there's that old saying, uh, "Magic flows where attention goes." Don't be doing, yeah. don't be doing work for other people. It's just weird. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, I think that tells people that we need to be doing more astral travel mm -hmm. and going inward because this is all a matrix in the end, and everything becomes a more complicated articulation of the formula Absolutely. to keep us hypnotized. Um. Well, did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about? No, I, I think we covered a lot of ground. Thank you for having me on. It's been a very pleasant experience, and it's great to do it with a, such a close friend. Ah, yes. Well, give us your information. Give us your like yeah. cash app too, or whatever you know your Venmo or whatever. So you can. <laughs> You can schedule through crossroadsandcoincidences.com and my handle is at crossroadsandcoincidences on Instagram. 
Um, and you know, if you have any questions before about booking or reading, feel free to DM me and we can talk a little bit about it. Yes, well, thank you so much for coming on, Coven Sister. Um, well, y'all have a great night. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much for listening to today's show. Um, as I mentioned, if you are interested in giving any donations, you can send anything. Anything helps. Um, my PayPal is keondillon at gmail.com. That's K-E-O-N-D-I-L-L-O-N at gmail.com. Venmo is at K-E-O-N-D-I-L-L-O-N. And my cash app is a dollar sign, capital E-L-D-R-A. And so I'm sending you so many blessings. I'm speaking blessings over your name, over your existence, over your life. Sobre tu vida. I love y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in. See y'all on the interwebs. Bye-bye.